This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I go now Shabbos. Hope everyone is well. I learning today should be as close before Shalem of Shabbos even Pesharachal. We wish him a speedy recovery and we hope to have him back in shul very very sure, very soon. When you come to Parshas Kairach, most people assume, and perhaps they're right, that the main character, the most uh, talked about person in this week's Parsha is Kairach. His name is the name of the Parsha. And obviously the bulk of the Parsha discusses Kairach, his movement, and even ultimately his failure. But to me, every year when I come to Parsha's Kairach, I think there's another um, important person who's really a hero, an ultimate hero in this week's Parsha, and her name is not even brought down at all in this week's parsha. And I'm referring to the wife of Oyn Ben Pelis. We like to call her Rebetzin Pelis. Oyn Ben Pelis, the wife of Oyn Ben Pelis. In my book, as far as I'm concerned, she perhaps is one of the most important and essential people in this week's parsha. Maybe even the hero of the story. What am I referring to? Chazal tell us that Oyn Ben Pelis was very much caught up in this movement of Kairach. He was very much involved in this plan to supposedly overthrow Maishu Rabbeinu and disprove Maishu Rabbeinu's leadership. And it was all stopped, at least in the Oyn Ben Pelis family, by his wife. And the Gemara tells us what exactly was her plan. How did she go about uh, taking her husband away from this very, very, you know, uh, attractive and catchy movement? So the Chazal tell us that she saved him. How did she save him? She said to him, she said to him, what do you care? You have no skin in the game. If Maishu Rabbeinu becomes the leader, you're still not moving up anywhere. You're still never going to be on the top. And if Kairach wins, you're still never going to be on the top. So she said to him, you have no skin in the game. Why are you missing a rhino over here? Why are you getting yourself involved in such a fight? Either way, you'll never be the CEO. Either way, you'll never be on the top. Either way, you'll never be the president. So just get out of it. Don't bother. But she did more than that. Chazal tell us that wasn't enough because he was already too involved for him just to step back. She needed to come up with a plan, so Chazal tell her she got her husband drunk, she gave him something to drink, and he basically passed out, and then when the, when the men were coming to gather him, to bring him to the meeting, she stood by the doorway of her home with her hair uncovered. And because she stood there with her hair uncovered, the men, despite all their problems, these people that joined Kairach, they were not completely Rishoyim Gemurim, they wouldn't go near a woman whose hair was uncovered, and ultimately this saved Oymen Palace, this saved him from falling into the the sad outcome that takes place in this expression for all the other ones who joined Kairach's rebellion. So obviously Chazal are telling us, and then we end off with the famous Pasuk in Mishlei, Chachmas Nashe Ban Telling us the wisdom, the insight of women, they change the whole structure, they can change the whole future, they can change the feeling and the attitude in a home, and this is something we speak about very often, we spoke about it before Pesach, we spoke it many other times, but I think this idea is found in something we mentioned last week in Shul, we pointed out last week in Shul, the famous Kasha, why did Maishu Rabbeinu daven only for Yeshua and not for Kalev? So we quoted from Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, he said that because Kalev didn't need Maishu Rabbeinu's tefillahs. Kalev had a good wife. His wife was Miriam. She was going to protect him. But Yeshua, who didn't have that support, that woman in his life, he needed someone to daven for him. He needed extra. And that's when Maishu Rabbeinu davened. And I was thinking this week that we could take it one step further. Chazal tell us, where did Yeshua's name get changed from? The Yud of Sarai. Now, then Sarah, now, used to be Sarai, now Sarah, that Yud went to Yeshua. 
And Chazal tells that the Yud was very upset. The Yud was frustrated. Why are you taking me away from Sarai's name? I want to be close to such a great woman. And the Medrash says that Hashem said to the Yud, don't worry, you'll do even better. You're going to switch over to a man's name. You're going to go to Yeshua. And I was thinking perhaps along the lines of Yaakov Kabinetsky, what we see from this week's parasha, why was it the letter from Sarah that went to Yeshua? Because according to Yaakov, Yeshua was missing that woman's role in his life. He wasn't married to a woman like Kalav. He needed someone to keep him on the straight and narrow. He needed that positive influence. So where was it going to come from? It came from the letter Yud. The, na- the letter that was part of a Isha Tzadekes. She's going to be able to infuse into him how to behave. And that's what we're seeing in this week's parasha, the Kayach of a woman to be able to keep her husband out of trouble, keep him on the straight and narrow path, to keep him from averting into a bad place, from going off into the rebellious of Kayach. Came across an amazing story. Right after, right at the beginning of the Yom Kippur War, there was a Ger Chassid that was being drafted into the army. And they came to take him. And his wife said, you are not going into the army until you go to the Ger Reb, until you go to the base of for a brach. I am not letting them take you. Who could say no to a Jewish wife? So the husband said, okay, I'm going to go to the base of Israel, but it's Muslim Kippur, the base of Israel is so busy. It doesn't have time for me. The wife said, I'm telling you right now, I am not letting the government to take you. As a soldier in the army, unless you go to the base of Israel, the Ger Reb, and you get a bracha. <coughs> the husband had no choice. His wife said, his wife said, so he went to the base of Israel to get a bracha. And the Gerebbe told him, I am going to give you a haftach, a promise, that if every single day you put on tefillin, you will come back at the end of this war. But if you don't put on tefillin every single day, you will not return. Now this was a from year, the Ger Chassid, he's thinking to himself, what's the Rebbe telling me, i got to put on tefillin. I'm a from year, I put on tefillin every single day. But he followed what the Rebbe said. And then when he got into battle, he realized sometimes when you're in a tank, it's not exactly very feasible to put on tefillin. It's very tight quarters, it's not so easy. But he was so mocked that every day he was not going to miss a day of tefillin because the rabbi told him, your ticket back is the tefillin every single day. And one day he was in a tight, tight in the tank. It wasn't much room. And it wasn't exactly the safest of areas. And he left the tank to put on tefillin. And when he came back, that tank blew up. It was attacked. And he came back to the Gare Rebbe. And he told the Gare Rebbe, Rebbe, I survived because of the tefillin. The rabbi said, no, you survived because your wife was Oyim Ben Pelas. She said to come to me, and because you came to me, Baruch Hashem, you were saved. So the idea of Oyim Ben Pelas lives on beyond the time of Oyim Ben Pelas. So often in life we know that the hadracha, the advice, the guiding of the home comes from the woman in the home. But I think there's a much deeper message over here in this Chazal. Rabbi Yobar Finkel points it out, and it's so, so insightful. Most of us think to ourselves, it's great, Oyim Ben Pelas, she convinced her husband not to join the rebellion. Now, if you were trying to convince your spouse or a close family member not to join Kerech's rebellion, you know what the answer is supposed to be? Are you out of your mind? You're going to go up against Maisha Rabbeinu? Are you crazy? Did you not see how powerful Maisha Rabbeinu is? She did not say that to him. Why not? Says because that's her chachma. You know what the chachma of this woman was? She says to herself, how am I going to get to my husband? He obviously is caught up. He's, his mind is warped. He thinks Maisha Rabbeinu is terrible. So telling him that Maish Rabbeinu is good is not going to work. Now here's where the Chachma kicks in. Says Rebel Yobar Finkel, and this is something we have to remember for the rest of our life. How do you convince someone who, so, who their mind is made up? You have to get into their mind. Says Rebel Yobar Finkel, she said to himself, I know what my husband's obsessed is about. He wants covet. That's why he joined this re- ridiculous rebellion, because he wants covet. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to explain to him that he's not even going to get any covet. 
And that's why she said to him, listen, no matter which way this goes, you're getting nothing. She didn't come and start giving him lectures and speeches about Emuna Bashem and believe in Moshe That doesn't work. But her Chachma said, listen, let me talk to his mind. Let me talk to where he is. And you know where he is? He's driven by covet. Ah, oh, she said, if he's driven by covet, let me tell him he's not going to get covet. And then it clicked. It worked. So I think the godless over here is the terrorist reminding us when you're trying to help someone improve, wagging your finger, giving them speeches and quoting them scripture is not going to work. You have to get into their mind. You have to know them well enough. You have to know your spouse, if it's a child, if it's a friend. You can't just give them this generic rebuke, be a better person, because Hashem says so. It doesn't work. True chachma, real rebuking, real musr, is when I know the person well, and I know what, they, what gets them to tick, and I know what gets them to listen, and then I give them what they need to hear. Not a generic, generic script, you know, script, oh, do this, do that. She got into his psyche. She knew how he's wired. And then she was able to make a difference. And I think that's Pshat in the Pasuk, Chachmas Noshin Ban Sabesa. That's the Chachma. There's no big Chachman rebuking. Everyone can be a Baal Musr. No big deal. Anyone could lecture. Give someone a soapbox, he can darshan. The Chachma is talking to your crowd in a way that you'll get your message across. She knew her crowd. She knew the players. She knew her husband. She knew what he needs to hear and how he needs to hear it. And that is something that we all need to take away from this week's parasha. Such an amazing insight of looking when you're trying to impart something to someone else. It's not about the script that you have, the generic wording. It's getting into their mind. What do they need to hear? What's going to resonate with them? This is so true for educators today. What is going to get a child to be motivated? What is going to get a child to be inspired? How can I inspire those around me? It's not by quoting Psukim. It's not by quoting Memre Chazal that might not work today. You need to know what they want to hear, what's going to resonate with them. And then you can be a mashpi on them. Then you can have an unbelievable difference on them. I just want to add one more thing that I think it's worth mentioning on this Gemara. Do you know what it took her to take her to uncover her hair? Ask any from woman who's been covering her hair for many years. You know how embarrassing it is to sit at a doorway when men are coming with your hair uncovered? Do you know what Messias Nefesh that took for her to do? Unbelievable Messias Nefesh on the, on the part of Mrs. Ayn Ben Pelos. I think the takeaway from here is that we all have to realize that sometimes it's not easy to stay in the straight and narrow. If we see people around us that are veering off, we have to ask ourselves, how can I help them not with the generic wording, but how can I get into their world, in the world that they're in, the place that they're in, how can I change them? And sometimes it takes unbelievable Monsieur Snefesh. For Rebetzin Ben Pels to take her here, to uncover her here, took unbelievable Monsieur Snefesh. She didn't just, it wasn't just easy for her. She had to really overcome a lot of embarrassment. But she said, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my future. That's a beautiful level of Messias Nefesh. Sometimes to help people, we need to be Messias Nefesh. Whether it be family, friends, or people we don't even know. But it takes Messias Nefesh. I think that's what we're learning this week's parsha. The way to change the world is with the people closest to us. Not with Muslim speeches and not with wagging fingers. But talking to them as a person. Getting into their mind and seeing what they're feeling. And more than anything, sometimes it's going to take a little bit of mysterious nefesh on our part. And Hashem, we should be zeicha to learn from Rebbe Tzanayim Ben Pelas, truly an amazing woman, perhaps the hero of this week's parasha, to realize how you can change the, the path of your family. Think about one action this woman did. She saved the future generations. She saved her husband's life and her children and grandchildren. We all can do that. But it takes thought. It takes chachma. And sometimes it takes mysterious nefesh. And Hashem, we should all be able to impart wisdom 
and good ideas to our entire family. We should all be zeichet to see wonderful, beautiful Yiddish anachas from many, many deiris, from all our family, and for all of Klai Yisrael. Have a wonderful Shabbos.